church family. It's great to be with you as you celebrate our 40th anniversary as a church. As you celebrate an anniversary as a church, you look back and you think about what was God's calling on Living Waters Church. Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus sent out his disciples and gave the church its marching orders to be his witnesses under the power of the Holy Spirit, to go out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and even into the ends of the earth. Well, for me, 40 years ago, I was nine years old and Living Waters was my Jerusalem, the place where I started. I can still recall Grafenberg Church sitting in Lynn Price's Sunday school class and listening to her teach us about the armor of God using one of those great felt boards. And I also recall Pastor Joel baptizing me into my new life in Christ there in that muddy pond on my family's farm. But it was at Living Waters Christian School that I would receive the Christian worldview, the character, the integrity that I would need to be a young Christian man and to go out and to fulfill the calling that God had upon my life. And of course, we always laugh about all the great things of pioneering the school, like life packs and going to basketball games and limousines and watching classmates move the partition walls around to get out of class and escape from the teacher. But at a time when Christian worldview and prayer and the Ten Commandments were being taken out of the educational system, Living Waters provided me with what I critically needed to be a minister for Christ. It would also be at Living Waters that I would be commissioned with my wife and family to go out and to be a missionary. That was over 25 years ago. They sent me out to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we've come back on furlough, we've dedicated our children to the Lord there on that stage. And the years have gone by, and yet Living Waters has continued to faithfully support us, like the Southern Small Group, in prayer and in finances and encouragement for us to continue and go all over the world to preach the gospel. And now here in Taichung, Taiwan, as I plant uh, a church called House of Blessing, Mengfu Jia, you have been a part of that too. Ironically, one of my last youth pastors there was Stephen Riley. Maybe you know that guy. Uh, I think his happiest day as a youth pastor was the day I quit coming. Uh, and so quite Ironic that now I call him over these last few years and, and ask him for his advice and his wisdom and counsel to start this church here that has grown from a church plant and now over 400 people each week hear the gospel. You can see this picture behind me and it's one of our recent pictures and there are people who have heard about the name of Jesus Christ who have been baptized and discipled and all of that is due to the blessing and the training that I received at Living Waters Church in that little sleepy clay village town so far, far away. So I want to encourage you and thank you for being the place that would send me out. And I want to say hello from the ends of the earth. As you celebrate this 40th anniversary, I cannot wait to see all the missionaries you're going to send out in the next 40 years, that blessing that you're going to spread out all throughout the world. Thank you for your investment that you gave to the kingdom and to the nation of Taiwan. God bless you guys. Sean, during his college years, did not wholeheartedly serve the Lord. 
and I have a vivid memory that came back to me. <laughs> it was one of the several waves of the Holy Spirit during the 90s, and it was in the mid-90s, and Sean, God was working on Sean. And I remember him standing over here by himself with the presence of God, which was just melting him. And all over him, just restoring his soul, bringing him back and, and speaking to him and giving him a calling and a future. And, and that's, that's one of many that have, we've been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. Last Sunday, we had a video clip and testimony from Justin Ross. Both of them, without knowing it, ended their video clip with the same. Did you catch that? To the ends of the earth. And I believe this is a reminder. Don't have small uh, outreach plans for just local. Okay, local, yes, right? But we're really called to go and make disciples of all nations. And God has done that. And God wants to continue to do that. And I'm just saying there might be someone right here today, a young person or a young person that's going to be here in the next number of weeks or months that will get that call to the ends of the earth. And we want to be, we want to be ready for that. We want, to, we want to say yes to that, Lord. We don't want Justin and Sean to be just one of the few in the history. of. No, we want them to be the beginning of, of a history of many going. So, Lord, we say that. We say, Lord, our vision is your biblical vision to the ends of the earth. We are willing to take your gospel with your power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome. My name is Stephen Riley. I'm lead pastor here at Living Waters Church. It's so good And it's my honor to serve the Living Waters family, and it's so good to see some faces today I haven't seen in a long time. And uh, it's so good to be celebrating a 40th year celebration together. Thank you for coming. And those online, I wish I could see your face. I know many are joining us, and thank you for being a part today. And we believe that these next three Sundays, the 7th, 14th, and 21st, is a marker into propelling us to empower us into the next 40 years. And so this this isn't a celebration of just the past and praise God for the past. God is equipping us for the future. And I'm already celebrating the future because I sense his promise and purpose over us in the next 40 years. I want to welcome uh, those online and in here, if you're a first or second time guest, we have these packets with a connect card on them. We'd like for you to fill that out. I'd like to send you, uh, we'd like to send you an email and a, and a note later this week. Uh, if you're online or want to just go online from your seat to our website, we have a, a tab there uh, to connect with us. You just click on that and that opens it up in a digital form and that might be easier. You can just go there, but we would like to have your contact information. Uh, if you would do that for us, please. Living Waters is a church that's abandoned to God and compassionate toward people. And we don't want to keep it among ourselves. We want to, uh, in our mission, we want to step out in love with faith and the powerful gospel. 
in thinking about this morning, and in, in a little while we're going to bring Doc Shell up here. It's going to be such a, a powerful time together. But we have a, a couple of things we want to do, and one is to grab the perspective of someone who's been here a long time, perhaps someone that has grown up in this church. You know, there's a number of people that were here when they were young, uh, even in the early days, uh, Nancy Johnson Winters, Leanne Onan Jesse, Matthew Russell, Jody League, and Delisa League Riley. And we want to hear that perspective. So I'm going to ask the love of my life, my beautiful bride, my partner in life, Delisa, come on up here. Let's hear from your heart today. Well, I was in ninth grade when the flame of Living Waters Church started to burn. I remember quite a bit, like the meeting when the name Living Waters was decided. I remember a lot of the faces there, but what I especially remember is my parents' ravenous appetite to do just what God directed. I remember those early months and years that followed starting something the devil hated and feared, a church that did not fear him, but feared God. My mom and dad heard God's call and were obedient. They did not ignore or refuse him when it seemed like an impossibility. They did not disregard him when he dropped this vision in their hearts. They did not protest or rebel or reject his direction when they faced living a busting out of it seems church to plant a spirit-filled church without an organ or a choir with a vision for a Christian school of all things and a love for Israel. And the people that God had prepared grabbed this vision, believed it to be from God, and ran with it. They were valiant. They were not afraid. Not afraid to be associated with the church without a denomination. They were not cowardly. Not cowardly when it came to generously offering their own finances. They were not faint-hearted when 17 families placed their own homes as collateral to purchase the property and the building where we worship today. They were not unwilling to set up and tear down a sanctuary every week, wherever that sanctuary was that Sunday. They were not wavering when week after week, my weighty piano went out our front door onto a pickup to be delivered to Floral Hall. They were not weak when the Henry Clay School Gym was uncomfortably cold in the dead of winter and the metal chairs were, well, uncomfortable. They were not timid when the time came to launch a Christian school that naysayers said surely would fail. They were not fearful to allow the Holy Spirit to move among them. Because Joel and Carol League were obedient, and our founding members were valiant, Living Waters Church became a reality against all odds. How many testimonies 
have we heard since those beginning years of how God used living waters to bring salvation and healing to so many. I'm sure my dad is now learning of so many untold testimonies that are only known in heaven. Thank you all for your obedience and your valor. I'm going to ask those valiant warriors, you're still valiant, aren't you? And I'm going to ask those who were with Living Waters from 1981, I'm going to ask two, two groups to stand up, but the first group in 1981 for the first three years to 1984, would you please stand? We want to give you a, a round of applause and say thank you for your, your courage and your strength. Woohoo! Yes. Look at that. Look at those pillars. I love it. Ah, now stay standing. Stay stay standing. Now I'm going to ask if you were, then the 10 years after that, from 1984 to 1994, could you stand? Because you've been a part of building this church in the early days as well. You can stand. All right. Let's give them a big hand too. Oh, Wow. Thank you for your valiant and your courage. We are grateful. We're indebted to you. Thank you for being pillars, strong pillars. We love you. You may be seated. Carol League, I know you were not expecting this, but would you please allow Fred Bates to escort you up to the stage with me, please? For those who are new to Living Waters and don't know Carol... This is Carol League, the wife of Pastor Joel League, the mother of Delisa and Jody League. So uh, she and Pastor Joel were the leaders of that small group of of faithful servants that uh, gave us the foundation of Living Waters Church. And so, Carol, I just want to speak to you on behalf of the whole congregation. What I think of you, you were... You are, and you always will be, the First Lady of Living Waters Church. Uh, Carol, you... um, You were Joel's best and first helper. I think of you, when I think of your many spiritual gifts, I think of the gift of helps and organization. And for Joel, you were his organizer (laughs) and you were his helper. And, uh, And throughout your time here, Joel's gone to be with the Lord. You're still here serving. You're still organizing. You're still helping Um, there's so many things I could say about you. We love you so much. This congregation appreciates you so much. We know that you serve in various ways. You're on the altar ministry team. You're a door greeter. People see you in those roles. What many don't see is you play a vital role in Father's Love Ministry, our most important outreach locally. And, um, but there, there are many things that people don't see 
about what you do, and how you, how you you see a project that needs organization, and you just put your hand to it and you do it. And when I think of your gift of helps, I'm about to. I'll ask your permission. I want to. I want to give one example of something that these people would never imagine that you do behind the scenes. May I? May I give that one example? This is just one example. Recently, I mean, this has gone on for 40 years, but in recent weeks, in recent days, when the uh, cafe, the Streams Cafe and Kitchen were being renovated and reorganized, and the big appliances and objects were pulled away from the walls, our first lady was seen on her hands and knees cleaning the baseboards. Most people would say that's very unbecoming of a first lady, but I say it's all the more reason why we choose to honor you today and every day. And Carol, we have a small token of our esteem and appreciation here for you. Everyone, please stand and give praise to the Lord for Carol League. You know I don't like to be behind a microphone. <laughs> so anyway, I just want to say... I love you all so much, and every part, every one of you have been such a part of my life, and, uh, and so uh, blessed to know you and to be with you. And just one thing I want to say to Living Waters Church: continue to make room for the Holy Spirit. good let's let's just do that right now let's continue to make room for the holy spirit lord in our hearts in our lives in our gatherings our services and our outreaches we confess our weakness we cannot bear fruit without you and we say we want you to lead we want you to guide in your power to come so help us remind us to make room for you in all that we do so be it amen to that two weeks away from November 21st, when we'll have our banquet in the fellowship hall. And it is not a covered dish dinner, folks. Ladies, you don't have to get up extra early and bake those beans, okay? It's Johnny Carino's menu on the 21st. And it's going to be, again, a celebrating uh, together. And... You do need to register, though. It's free, but you do need to register. And so 
we've seen the church emails with the link to go sign that up and write everybody's name and your family down, et cetera, so we can get a head count for that order. And you only have one week to get that registration in. That is November 14th, uh, a week from today, to get that uh, registration in. Also, on the 21st, on in two weeks, is our Miracle Offering Day, that during the worship time in here, we're taking up an offering that is uh, a big offering, but we're asking the board, the board is asking you just to pray. You've got two more weeks. You and your spouse to pray, talk about it. I know with us, it's kind of different every year. Sometimes God gives us a number very quickly, and we get the same number, and we might still look at our budget and so forth, and we wait on that number. God confirms them. Sometimes we look at the budget and savings accounts and so forth, and we look at it, and it takes us some time to get to a number. But we want to be in unity, and, and I pray that for each of your families as well. So take your time and pray about it. Don't wait till the last couple of days. Luke six thirty eight says, Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be put into your lap? For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. That, that's the spirit of generosity that's out of the heart of God. God is generous to us. He wants us to be generous. And as we are, that spirit of generosity just keeps on flowing in our lives. So be led and be encouraged by the, our Lord and his spirit, the spirit of generosity. We have three goals We're using the names of godly young men in the Bible who ended up fulfilling their call in life. The Daniel goal is uh, a year's compensation package for a student pastor and plus increasing student ministry, and that's going to equal up to $55,000 to be able to do that. And we want to, of course, uh, do more than that than just a year, so we're calling it the Joseph goal. This includes the Daniel goal plus a second year's compensation package and increasing student ministry budgets for $110,000, doubling that. And then the third uh, goal is the David goal. This includes the Joseph goal, and but expands our River Kids ministry plus develop marriage enrichment, men's and women's ministries. So $145,000 is our, our, our largest goal and putting all those goals together. And I want to tell you, these are big goals, but to God... They're not so big. He is so big to him. This is this is cheap change for him. So the board's faith is trusting in our source, that big God. Don't you know that discipleship, really the health of every community, every uh, neighborhood, every school begins with a marriage, begins with a home that that is where the health of our churches come from, is healthy marriages, healthy families and children. And then the church neighborhoods, the schools, all of it gets blessed. And so it is our belief that God's going to allow us to empower the church, to empower the homes to be that much more healthy and fruit-bearing for every generation. God is a God of many generations, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And as you pray for your generations below you, God prays that as well. He is our source, Psalm 34, 34, 8 through 10. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints. 
There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And Lord, that's, that's our belief going into this vision of launching new family ministry that we who seek you will not lack any good thing. In this ministry of new launching of family ministry is going to prosper. Next Sunday is going to be the 14th. Dr. Buddy Barry is going to be preaching. And as my time, I had time, uh, Delisa and I were with Doc and June last night, we're praying for breakthrough services this month. That God knows how to break through this morning and next week and next week so that there is a, a true marking by the Spirit going into the next 40 years. And then on the 21st, part of the, what I believe God is putting in my heart is we're going to have the, the encore generation blessing the younger generations with children and speaking those promises over our families. To say the least, I am totally excited. Just finally, when this day finally came, the seventh finally came, it's here. We're just going to let it go from here and let God work in our hearts for his kingdom's sake. I'm going to pray over our offering. We uh, have changed our style a little bit there. We do have uh, these black donation boxes in the back of the uh, of the. Uh, a wall here by the doors. We have online giving uh, available. And uh, we also, you can give online uh, on the 21st or before toward the new family ministry, either a one-time gift or there's a tab for a monthly gift as you and the Lord work that out. And as we just pray over today's offering, I want us to remember the persecuted church. Today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And if you think your life is rough, mm, there's thousands of children of God all around the world that are yielding and surrendering their lives to the Lord because they don't know how many days they're going to live. Well, what is going to happen next? Let's pray for them as we pray over our offering today. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we are privileged to be able to give tithes and offerings into your kingdom. Lord, we yield our ears to you as as families as we seek you about the family ministry offering. Lord, you are Lord over our lives, so you lead us and guide us there. And Lord, we believe that as we give, you have this spirit of generosity and you, you give back to us since with this spirit of generosity. And we thank you and we want to keep giving and giving as your word says. So Lord Jesus, we uh, trust in you in the blessings of these offerings to spread your kingdom in these four counties, this state and the world. Lord, we pray for the persecuted church. We pray that you strengthen them that you give many, Lord, a way of escape, Lord God, that, Lord, you uh, give them peace. May they hear your voice. And, Lord, may they receive their great reward in this earth and the next and give you great glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I have 
forgot to release the River Kids to their classes. Let's give them a big hand as they go. I was starting to get really boring too, wasn't I? You poor guys, man, that pastor was getting long-winded. He always gets long-winded. Get me out of here. You guys have a great time. The Lord is with you, and the Spirit of God is with you. Well, it is such a privilege to uh, bring Doc Shell up here. Doc and June are, uh, I'm going to just try to summarize the story a little bit. Uh, but um, uh, Doc and June lived uh, around Wilmore. Doc was a student at Asbury Seminary, uh, my alma mater as well, and, uh, and was a student pastor at Graffenburg United Methodist Church. And they were ministering there, and God led them in a way to pray and intercede for a breakthrough at Graffenburg. And as we were sharing at the dinner table last night, you're saying, and that passed on to Joel and Carol and just went on to new levels, and new, then living waters, new levels, and new levels. They went to their home area in Florence, started a church, the chapel, which reached you know, hundreds and thousands of people. He's retired, but he's still ministering. He is uh, a leader, leads a team, uh, minish, being a pastor to pastors, over around 130 leaders in the state of Alabama and Tennessee. And so he hasn't uh, retired from ministry. He's always uh, still leading counseling and preaching. And he became, over the years, just a continual friend. He was it's like he, he became a spiritual father and a spiritual grandfather to many of us as, he, as June and Doc would come back and minister. And so it's just, for me, a dream come true that you would be with us, both of you, at this 40th celebration. Let's give a hand to Doc Shell as he comes up. That's right. Lord Jesus, we release the gift of God in this man and the work of the Holy Spirit through him and your word that our ears and hearts would be open and hungry for what you have to say to each one of us. Lord God, thank you and bless them back beyond measure in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I think I'm yeah. I think I'm on. So, wow! Thank you, Pastor. My goodness, what a joy for June and I to be here with you all. We look forward to this since we kind of set the date, and uh, it's good to see all of you. I'd rather be here than in jail, hadn't y'all? I mean, you know. So, it's so good to see you, uh, Pastor Stephen, and. Del- we we love you guys. I mean, last night to me was more than a meal. I just felt like the Lord meshing our hearts. And, and of course, with Joel and Carol, and Carol, we love you and honor you so much, so deeply. Uh, it would be hard to find a brother I love more than Joel Leake. I look forward to seeing him again. But he's having a good time. But anyway... Uh, it's good to see all of you here. June and I, again, are honored to be here. Wow. Uh, Forty years. 
Well, I, I can remember. Pastor alluded to it. I can remember. You know, I'll be 82 my birthday. I, it seems like things happen quicker than they used to, if I can remember it. But anyway, <laughs> I can remember very vividly when we had prayed at Graffenberg. I mean, we we came here in 1972, um, 1974. Well, we came in 72 at Graffenberg. It's a student pastor, just like Pastor Joel came and Carol took it then. It was by the Methodists, so we could pastor Graffenberg and go on to Asbury. So that was the whole deal. And and when they finished with one student and they graduated, they'd get them another one. And so that was the typical routine of of the church. So anyway, uh, 25 folks, and I brought four of them in 1972. And uh, 1974, we'd grown up to about 40. Uh, and it just wasn't satisfying. I knew we weren't tapping into what God had, and so we began to pray. And through a whole series of events, uh, I, I, I let me just tell it to you. Can I, can I, is, is that all right, Pastor? Because there's such a connection to the 40 years that's ahead of you guys. Anyway, I was praying, and praying, and praying, and I'd go to my DS and I'd go, what do I do? He said, I don't know. I said, you have a PhD and you don't know. He said, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I got to praying and one night about 11, 1130, I remember the Lord spoke to my heart and said, the next board meeting at the church, tell them to get up and get with it or die. That wasn't the word I was looking for. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, next board meeting, there were eight of them and one of me and nine, and I was trying to say to June, get the boxes ready because we're going to be out of here soon. <laughs> but at that particular meeting, Johnny Slusher, Johnny Slusher was the chairman had snowy white hair. So anyway, I'm sitting there. We did our business. And Johnny said, such a man of God and such a gracious brother. He said, in a new business. Well, I heard the Lord again. He said, your time. <laughs> I said, I have a word from God. <laughs> really? Well, at that time, silence came over the group. You could heard a pin drop. I said, God told me to get up to tell you to get up and get with it or die. And I'm telling you, I was afraid to breathe. <laughs> Brother Johnny started crying, tears running down that precious face. He said, we don't want to die. That brother opened a door to a local fellowship. Time went on, we had a uh, as you, some of you would know back in those days, the Methodists had lay witness missions. Would you bring in lay people? They come in and just share testimonies and live in, over the weekend in various houses so they can win people to the Lord. Well, anyway, we had about 30, came from Ohio, uh, Indiana, Kentucky. But uh, Graffenberg forgot to come, at least a lot of them. It just broke my heart. This was on Saturday. We did a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning. So Saturday, just a handful of people and the witnesses were witnessing to each other. I mean, it, 
It's giving their testimony to each other because the others didn't come. And I said, I don't know what to do. And the Lord said, I know. And if you stay tonight, I'll show you what's wrong. Well, everybody left, including June. And our kids were young then. As you well know, just down the street was the parsonage. And so I go to praying, and I'm praying, and nothing. Just like heaven was made out of brass. Midnight, June came in. And when she knelt at the altar where I was praying, immediately, I'm up out of my body. The top is off the building. I can see June and me down here, but I'm up here. And I never saw the Lord, but I'm talking to the Lord back here. We have this conversation. And, And I saw these big chains around Grafenberg Church with oversized lock on it. And the church was breathing like this. Little short breaths. I said, Lord, the church is bound. He said, yes. I said, with what? He said, the traditions of men. I said, really? What do I do about it? He said, you you and June get an agreement. I'll break it tonight. Well, immediately I'm back in my body telling June some of what I just told you. And when I told her that, I'm back up out of my body the second time. I hope you don't have a problem with that because it happened. I wasn't having a delusion. I'm telling you, it happened. And I, up out of my body again, talking to the Lord behind me, I said, in the name of Jesus, I break the tradition of men over Graffenburg Methodist Church. When I said that, as clear as I see you, I saw the building go, whew, and I heard Chains cracking and popping. All of a sudden, they fell around the building. And it was kind of a leap of joy in my heart. Praise God. Of course, I don't have a clue what just happened, except God freed the church. Well, the next morning, I told that story. I said, if you're black, white, rich, poor, fat, skinny, it doesn't matter. If you're hungry for God, you're welcome here. When I said that, I still remember it. When I said that, there was a dark-complected lady. I remember detail. Real jet black hair sitting in the back. All, when I said that, she went, Aah! screamed like a panther. Scared the daylights out of me. You got to know when God shows up, it ain't on your schedule. You understand what I mean? I mean, she screamed out and come running down the aisle, fell in the altar. You know what I said? That wasn't in the bulletin. Well, there's more stories to that, but it just got worse and worse on the devil. I mean, you know, and before we knew it, uh, you could hardly get in the building. People were just coming from everywhere, and I had no idea why, except what God did. And in the middle of all of that, uh, three years later, we were in revival for three years. We could, you could go to the men's bathroom, have a revival. It, it, it wasn't a, you understand, it wasn't, you weren't trying to pump it up. It just was. The atmosphere had adjusted, whoa, to the kingdom of God. And so people just come everywhere. And then the Lord said, it's time for you to leave. Well, I broke my heart. Because I thought I'd live here the rest of, I mean, until I died. That was my plan. But God had other plans, and it was good. And so one night we had a tea, and this couple and their family, Joel and Carolee, showed up. Little did I know the plan God had. 
And so in the course of, you know, our socializing, Pastor Joel came to me, whom I just met, and said, would you, would you pray for me? I said, sure, Joel. He and I went alone into the sanctuary, knelt to the altar, and I laid hands on him, and I said, God, would you keep on doing what you're doing here? And there was an impartation into Joel League's heart and life into Carol. And we left. I cried all the way to Alabama, but we left. And Joel came in and Carol and, and plugged in to what God was doing, took it to a new level and a new level and a new level. And there came a level to which God said, now it's time to move down to living waters. That's how you got here. And I'm decreeing and declaring at every juncture there needs to be another breakthrough that releases the power of God. I'm telling you right now, folks, I'm going to talk about it this morning if y'all let me. I'm going to talk to you about secrets for the new season. You're living like you never lived before. You're in a country you've never lived in before. There's things going on that boggle the human mind. You go, I don't believe it. Churches are, listen, churches in America are closing. You can't believe, monthly they're closing. No, like, come on, don't, don't put our, don't, don't get our head in the sand. Let's stand up and, and look around, bless God, and not deny what's going on, but deny its right to rule the kingdom of God. See, that's the next season we're headed in. That's your next 40 years. Now listen to me. Your next 40 is not like your last 40. So we're going to have to make some adjustments. Do you understand what I mean? So I want to talk to you about secrets for the next season. And I want to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. While you're turning there, let me... uh, Tell you a little story about um, Walter and Ethel. Walter and Ethel must have lived somewhere between here and Alabama. But every every year in their state, they went to the state fair. They love the state fair. And every year, uh, Walter wanted to go out. You know how they have these helicopter pads where you pay them money and they take you up and let you look around and 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 that's what Walter wanted to do. Well, they went to check it out, and we'd like to ride this. How much it cost? The guy said $50. Ethel said $50. $50 said $50. We can't do that, Walter. And they didn't do it. Every year, same thing. Walter went back with Ethel. Let's write, no, how much is it? $50. But don't you understand? Walter, $50 is $50. This went on year after year after year, and finally... I mean, they were getting old. He was, they were up in their 80s now. And so they go, and well, let's do it this year, Ethel. Let's, let's, let's ride the helicopter. No, Walter, we can't. $50 is $50. Well, the pilot heard him talking. And the pilot uh, had a little sympathy and had some things up his sleeve he wanted to do. So he walked over and said, I heard you talking. Uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make you a deal. I'll take you up in that helicopter for a ride if from the time we leave, from the time you get back, you won't say a word. They looked at each other and said, we'll do it. Of course, you know what the pilot had in mind. 
So he gets Walter and Ethel in there, and they take off, and you can imagine the extras that the pilot worked in to try to get Walter and Ethel to say something. Not a word. <laughs> Total silence. Then they landed back on the pad. And, and, and the pilot just looked over at Walter and goes, I'm impressed. I didn't hear a sound. Walter said, well, I'll tell you what. I was tempted to say something when Ethel fell out. <laughs> but $50 is $50. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 17 you know the story here, and I will stick pretty close to this. In First Samuel 17, it's the story of David, Goliath, and what was going on there. As you well know, uh, there's a battle now with God's people, the people of God, the covenant people, and the Philistines. The Philistines always, without exception, represented the world system. So the world system and God's people were in battle with each other. In the middle of the Philistines, there was a nine-foot, six-inch man named Goliath. We could go into detail about all of what he was wearing. But this nine-foot-six guy was intimidating uh, the people of God in this battle. And, and so you know the story well. Uh, every morning they got up and put on their battle. And these guys from Israel... They're trained for battle. They're supposed to do something, but they're not doing it. You understand? And uh, a couple of different times, David was sent down where his brothers were in in the Israeli army uh, with some cheese and bread. He said, just go down, check on them, see how they're doing, bring me a report. You well know. And there's a whole thing we'll get into in a minute, but uh, nothing's going on. Goliath is... He's, when he stands up, the Bible talks about the, the, the army ran. They were scared and intimidated, just like what's going on right now against the body of Christ. So anyway, there was a man, that many people say he's about 15 years old now, named David, who's taking care of his sheep. And David, as you well know the story, you learned it in Sunday school, David, through a process took out a giant that an army trained to do would not do it because of fear. Now let me tell you, let me stop here. The strong thing that the enemy's using against the bride is the spirit of fear. I may tell you, the, the COVID thing put a spirit of fear, and I'm not saying the Lord, the, the, God wants us to be wise. That's not the point. The point is, don't you let fear rule you. Jesus came to deliver you from fear. But David didn't have that, so you know the story, which we'll get into in a little detail. David took out the giant. And because if you remember, the word in 1 Samuel 17 was this, whoever takes out the giant will be the servant. In other words, if Israel takes out the giant, then the Philistines will serve Israel. Come on now. If, if, come on now. If that doesn't happen, then Israel's going to serve that polarization of the world system called Goliath. Now, right now, you and I are living where there's a strong Goliath standing on the hillside. There's over 60 million babies 
represented in that nine foot six inch giant. Come on now. The spirit of uh, this abortion issue will have to be dealt with before America goes very far. We're not going anywhere till we deal with the holocaust of Roe versus Wade. You may get angry with me, and, and you'll just have to deal with it because I won't back up. Abortion is wrong. It always has been. It is now. It will be tomorrow. On that hillside where Goliath is, people are up there. They, they go to bed as a woman and wake up thinking they're a man. You've got all kinds of, of, of sexual perversions, etc., 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 that polarize in a man called Goliath. We now in America, this is fact, we now have in America a socialist, Marxist, communist, if you care to make a distinction, I don't, endeavor to take over a nation. And they're represented with that Goliath. And let me tell you right now, R.T. Kendall was right. He said, uh, uh, two years ago, the church in America is asleep. And you don't know you're asleep till you wake up. So we've been asleep. Now what's happening? God's having to wake up the bride. But many are thinking, well, I mean, you know, it's just going away. I mean, just wait. It's not going away. It's now deep-seated in the fabric of our nation, in our churches. And God's calling a bride in the next 40 years. I believe it. I believe he's calling us right now to prepare for the season that we're headed to. So... You know, when I look at David, and I wrote this down because, you know, Saul, King Saul, he didn't see what was in David. I mean, come on now, you know the story. Nor did the Jewish army see it. Nor did David's brother see it. See, they, they taunted him. Oh, would you just come out here, you know, just to see us fight? That's the only reason you came. Nor, listen to me, nor did Goliath see it. But there was something, whoo. There was, there was something in King David hidden that only God knew for God put it there. And he, what he'd put in King David would take out any giant on a hillside, Roe versus Wade and all of this mess going on in our system. Let me tell you right now, there is something in the bride of Christ that got a lot bigger than any Goliath on a hillside anywhere at any time. That's what we got to get ready for. I'm telling you folks, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a gloom and doom. I, I don't know when he's coming, but I know the Lord's coming as quicker than it was before we started church. All I know, it's sooner now than it was. But David had something in him I want to learn from, and I want to share it with you real quick. First of all, and I'll give you the scriptures and just refer to them rather than read lengthy passage of scripture. The first thing David had that was a secret that nobody else saw was this. David understood covenant. David understood covenant. I love verse 26. He says it again. I love, I love. You know when David saw that giant, you know what he called him? You uncircumcised Philistine. Come on now. He said, you're not in covenant. I am. Listen, listen. The world system is not in covenant with a holy God. You are connected to the God who's, who, who said, light be, light was. Whatever God said was. Let me tell you, 
You are connected to a God that's not learning anything, knows everything, has all power, and you're in covenant with him through the blood of his son. That's who we are, and don't you forget it. We are in covenant. We are in a blood covenant with Almighty God. Hallelujah. I love it when Jesus said at, at what we call the Lord's Supper when he handed them a cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And let me tell you, when God makes covenant, the strongest thing on planet earth is a blood covenant. We got one. The first secret with David, the first, the first thing about David was he knew he had a covenant with God. Now, I love it because most people never mention this when they talk about the story, but in verse 1, it says this, that Goliath is on Judah's property. Let me tell you, the abortionist, the sexual perversions, fill in the blank, are on private property. This country was founded by believers and has a purpose and a destiny and that garbage don't belong in this country. You are being prepared to clean it up, clean it out and establish a kingdom here on this land that we love so dearly. So don't remember, I mean, please do remember and don't forget, you have a covenant. I'm a covenant God. I'm I'm in relation to a covenant God. He lives in me. He lives in you. That was, that was so important to David that he knew his covenant with God. Second, we'll hurry. The second thing is in verse 29. David's other secret, he remembered what God had done. Now, in that verse, he said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? The word cause in the Hebrew can be translated history. Is there not a history? Come on now. Is there not a history? Then he, then he begins to give his testimony. You know, I, I wrote it down somewhere. I'm going to say where I put it. Well, that'll, good. I, went, I don't know when to quit now. I lost my watch. But anyway. <laughs> The Hebrew meaning of the word testimony. I did a whole study on the word testimony. Here's what, and this is a quote. That God will do it again with the same power and authority as he did it before. So now here's this 15-year-old kid that's going to take out a 9-foot, 6-inch giant. And we're looking at a giant. We don't call him Goliath. We call it a polarization of a world system that's come together that's anti-God, anti-church. They don't say it so blatantly, but it's there. It's in reality. Now, David, and this was his testimony, he said to the giant, I just want you to know, and these are my words, this is a little loose Kentucky translation, I'm just a shepherd boy, but I I want you to know this. When a lion and a bear came to get a... Uh, one of the lambs. I just want you to know, I took out both of them. I remember there, I was there when I took them out. And I just want you to know that my history is this. And these are my words. I am in covenant with the living God. He lives inside of me. And he who lives in me is bigger than you are. And I've come today. And as I took out the bear and I took out the lion, I intend to do you the same way. Come on now. Have you to know the church needs to rise up and do some talking God's way. 
Everybody else is coming out of the closet. Why don't we? Come on now, church. Everybody's coming out. Come on now. Step out and go, I am the redeemed of God. I do not bow to the powers of darkness. Come on now. Somebody's got to speak up. So the second thing that's so important, so important, is his secret was he knew what God had done for him. Now let me ask you something. Now, and, and, and if you'll be truthful, has ever God been unfaithful to you? No, he hasn't. Remember that. Remember this, because I wrote this down. To remember what, he's, what he has done creates a resolve for what he will do. Boy, I can tell you right now, <laughs> when I remember where I've come from, when I remember the bear and the lion, when I, rem- I mean, the, the, when I remember what God did back there, God's going to do it again. Listen, come on now. There may be a Goliath on the hillside, but God isn't finished yet. Come on now. He will have the last word. That was his secret. The third secret, David's secret was he knew what was real to him. You know, I remember years ago, uh, Pastor Stephen, and I went through that whole phase, and I, I hope I'm out of it now, but, you know, I went through that whole phase, especially as a younger preacher, I'd go to these big conferences, and and, and uh, I, I don't I want to call names, been famous preacher, and boy, I'm going to come back Christ Chapel, I'm going I'm to be like they are. I'd try, and it was a, it was a farce. I mean, you know, I try to preach like them, and I'd, you know, I, <laughs> I know you've never done that, but I have. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to preach like I'm going to talk like God. Boy, look what God's doing with them. It didn't work. You know, one day, I'm serious, one day I said, well, Lord, I can't be like all them folks. Looks like you're stuck with me. I can almost hear God say, well, praise God, that's who I made. <laughs> Come on now. David was the same way. He knew what was real to him. Let, let me show it to you. In verse 38 and 39, when, 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 when Saul heard about David, he calls him into his office, and he's telling them what he's going to do to this uncircumcised Philistine. David and, and, and Saul, and they, again, these are my words. Okay, here, good, 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 good. Yeah, here's a helmet. Put this helmet on. Put this arm. Can't you just see this 15-year-old trying to drag all this stuff, this long sword? And David said, well, well, wait a minute. Won't work because I've not tested that. That's not, listen to me, that's not real to me. Come on now. Because what's real to you is where your new wineskin is. What's real to somebody else may be real, but it may not be real to you. Because you can't walk in what he's walking in until it becomes real to you. And so David said, there's no way. I can't do that. All I know is I'm a shepherd boy. And I have a sling and I take care of things this way. This is what's real to me. But you know, recently the Lord asked me one of the most penetrating questions I've ever heard him ask me. By the way, worship was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord said to me one morning in prayer, he said, son, I won't ask you. He already knew, but he said, how real am I to you? 
we can all do the religious thing. Well, I had my quiet time. I read my Bible. I said my prayers. I visited the sick, and I fill in the blank. But, but, but how real are you to me? And that got me on a new pursuit. And I can tell you this morning, he's more real to me this morning as I stand before you than ever in my lifetime. I think I love him more than I ever have because, as I told you all yesterday, some months ago, one morning while I was praying, after that incident I've just mentioned, and I told the Lord, Lord, I, I, I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to hang out with you today. i got other things to do. Can you imagine telling God that? But I said, Lord, I need to go whatever it was. I didn't have much time. And when I said that, this is, I promise, not an exaggeration. The glory of God fell in that room where I was praying. I'm talking about the glory of God fell. It wasn't one of them giddy laugh. I was weeping under. It was a heavy anointing. The glory often means a heavy. So I'm under that. And then I heard another voice. I didn't think it. I heard it. You may not have. I did. I heard a voice said, Son, I love you like my father loves me. Did you know that's true to you? Did you know he loves you like God the Father loved him? Now, most of us have it stuck right here. But that day when it moved down here, for me, it was more real than June was in the living room somewhere in the den. More real than she was. It was the most real thing I could articulate with my mouth. It changed my life. But it got me on the journey of getting back to the first commandment. When the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, What's the greatest commandment? It was always trying to trick him. This is what he said. He didn't say, Go win the lost. Go pray for the sick. Go build a church. Make it big. Let me stop here. Ray Hughes said to me a few months ago, he said, We're riding down the road and Ray said, looked at me and he said, Doc, God's always big, but big's not always God. Write that down somewhere. And, and, and so, I don't know where I was. I was over at Ray Hughes's, wasn't I? So anyway. So when, when, when the Lord said that to me, it, it revolutionized how I saw God. Even in God's judgment, He's still who He is. Love. Judgment is just moving out of the way everything that's hindering His wife. So the first commandment when the Pharisees came and said, what's the greatest commandment? I want to give Him a doing commandment. I mean, let's go do something. That's what he said. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you can't do the second one until you do the first one. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but I know you can't get to two until you get to one. Isn't that right? What, first, first thing, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And 
Like unto the first, love your neighbors, you love yourself. But you can't love your neighbor without, first of all. You can't love God without his love. I can't love you without it. So David's secret was, this is what was real to him. It was, and again, let me say, what's real to you is the wineskin God is working in until he makes more. What did Paul do when he prayed for the church at Ephesus? He didn't, he didn't pray for it to grow bigger. Now, God's not against big. I mean that, and he's not against mega churches. But let me tell you right now, it's not in how many you gather. But, but Paul said, I pray for the church at Ephesus that they may have the spirit of wisdom. What's the next one? Revelation and understanding. If you, if you fall in love with Jesus, you're going to tell somebody. What did he say about the church at Ephesus? He said, I got a problem. You got one and you don't realize you have it. You've lost your first love. I used to think that means the love that I had for the Lord when I first got saved. I don't know how much love I had for the Lord when I got saved. Because we were so new. I mean, we're brand new. I mean, I thought the book of, you know, the collisions was the book of Colossians. You know, I thought Concordance was the latest book of the Bible. And then I'm supposed to go back to that kind of love? No. I think the Lord was simply saying to this, you've lost the love of putting me, loving me with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And until, this is what he said, and repent over that and go back to it or else I will come and remove the candlestick and you'll go right on doing church, but you won't have the presence that I have for you. See, that's where we're headed. We're headed into a greater revelation of the Son of God, and He's going to become more real to me than that Goliath is real out there. He's going to become more real to you and me. When I walk in a voting booth, I'm going to vote Jesus, not Democrat or Republican. Come on now, God help us. Come on now, how many of you know we've been so sidetracked what does the Bible say? If, we, if, if, if Christians in America would go to the voting booth and vote Bible, we wouldn't be where we are right now. So, so if that's true, now come on, we said it last night. If that's true, what, what John said in the, in the first chapter of John, first five verses, in the beginning was the Word, you know it, and the Word was God, the Word was God. In Him, watch this, in Him, Jesus, the Word was life, Right? And the life in him was the light of men, correct? And the life that was in him was the light of men, and the darkness could not overcome it. So we're being overcome. Why? Because the light is dim. Darkness has no power and authority. Have you know, lie has no power till you believe it. But if you tell it long enough and embrace it as the truth, you have now empowered a lie. So what happens is that God illuminates himself and gets his life back in the church and they begin to burn for Jesus again and the light of God begins to burn and then burn. What happens? You don't have to curse the darkness. The darkness don't have a right to do anything but retreat. Hallelujah. So I am praying. Again, some of this stuff we talk... I am praying, this is my key prayer, is this, Lord in America, and of course it's around the world, but Lord Jesus in America, 
bring the conviction of sin again. If we don't get the conviction of sin back in the church, not in the world, it's going to come to the church first. It's going to come to the church to where I am, I am convicted with a godly sorrow of the sin I've been committing. Because, listen to me, repentance won't come until conviction is there. You will, you can, you, you, we can do a little, you know, little dance of repentance because I don't like the fruit of my life, but nothing changes. It's the spirit of death, Paul said. But when there is a godly sorrow, I am sorry. Jesus, forgive me. Whoa, can you imagine the church rising up and smitten, smitten in their heart over things they've said and done and the way they're treating other people and the words they're saying and action. And all of a sudden, they're smitten by God and they begin to cry out in repentance. And what starts to happening? They start waking up. And the light of God starts to get brighter and brighter. So the next 40 years, darkness starts to backing up, backing up, because the light in the local house is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Can somebody say amen? That's where we're headed. All right. Let me give you one more. The last thing that I think was, was David's secret, he had a passion I found this in the Bible. It's in verse 48, 49, and 50, if, you, if you're looking on there. <clears throat> he had a passion to take out Goliath. I've, I've got a passion in my heart to see Goliath taken down. I, I've got a passion in my heart to, to see those babies that wanted to live that didn't have a voice to be able to live. I've got a passion in my heart that my children and, and, and grandchildren now and great-grandchildren sit in the classroom and have to be taught that ungodly junk that the educational system is trying to propagate to all of our children. And I could go on and on and on and on. I have a passion in my heart. I love the scripture that said, and David ran toward Goliath. He hurried. He didn't just stroll up. I'm telling you, the boy was out to running toward the very problem that was trying to take down and he says, how dare you defy the nation of, of Israel? How dare you defy them? And he ran to the problem with a passion. Whew. Now listen to me carefully because these are important issues that you'll have to deal with if you're not dealing with them now. David was not distracted by intimidation. You can be if you're willing Watch this. David was not distracted. Well, let me just look, get you to look at it because I want you to see this is strong. It's a strong point. Look at verse 42. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. So in the next verse, the Philistine said, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come on, church. Intimidation. We're, right now, that's, that's the atmosphere of intimidation. Vaccinated, not vaccinated. Now, I'm not, against, and I'm not against vaccination. If you want to get vaccinated, that's fine. Just don't tell me I got to. If you don't want to, that's your business. Come on now. 
Because what we're looking at is a power control. And so it is that David, David had a secret. He was not moved by intimidation. So you're a Christian? Yeah, I am. So you're a conservative? You got it. Do you believe the Bible? I do. I love what them Hebrew boys said to Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3. That, you know, old Nebuchadnezzar said, when you hear the music, you just bow down to my God and worship. Them Hebrew boys, of course, Daniel, same thing. Them Hebrew boys, and again, this is a loose translation, but it's there. And you know, you, you, you know, the, the, those boys said, uh, Mr. Sir, uh, our God will deliver us. And if he doesn't, we may burn, but we're not going to bow. I want to make, make a confession. Hell may break loose, but by the grace of God, I will not bow to the Goliath on the hillside. Somewhere along the way, somebody's got to have some resolve. I'm not going to be talked into it. I'm not going to be intimidated. Nobody's going to push me into it. I may burn, but I'm not going to bow in the name of Jesus. That's what we're headed into in, in, in the next 40 years. It ain't going to be 40. You're looking for it in the next 12 months. That's how close. It's not happening by the uh, uh, year now. It's happening by the day. So David was not moved by intimidation. I love, I, I, love, I love David's response. In verse 45, this is what David said. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, one a javelin. I come to you in the name of the, of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. Instead of kowtowing to intimidation, David said, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give you a carcass, uh, carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. Amen. Somebody ought to shout amen on that one. Instead of, instead of caving to intimidation, he rose up in bold faith. I don't come to you with a spear and a sword. I come to you with a revelation of the name of the covenant that I have with the living God. Well, I love it. I, I mean, you know, at home, I get, to, I get to reading this. I get so fired up and ain't nobody around but me. I mean, there's just some, I have to tell you, there's something, pastor gets a stir inside of me. And I go, oh, my God. Lord, you're trying to wake a bride. You're trying to wake a church to deal with the issue. If we caused it, then you, you will use us to raise it up and put a stop to it in the name of Jesus. And right now, we're, uh, the, the devil is working overtime to divide color. and it, I mean, it, it, It's worse than I've ever seen it before. Let me tell you right now, Jesus is Lord. And let me tell you, there's not going to be a white heaven, a brown heaven, and a black heaven. If you're a child of God, you're a child of God. I don't care what color your skin is. And you're as good as anybody else walking on planet Earth. What I, what I love, and I, I found this about uh, 
I love history. I, as a matter of fact, I got a major in history, but Patrick Henry on uh, delivered this at St. John's Church in 1774. This is only a snippet from it. Listen to it. it kind of stirs me up. This is what he said. Sir, we're not weak if we make a proper use of those things which the God of nature has placed in our power. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations. The battle, sir, is not to be... Uh, is not to the strong along. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. The war is inevitable and let it come. I repeat, sir, let it come. <laughs> I'm not talking about guns and knives. I'm talking about vertical living that expresses itself horizontally. Then he said, it is vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may, gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually already begun. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? Why is it that uh, <clears throat> that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is, is life so dear or peace so sweet so as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. Somebody paid the price before we got here this morning. I know not what course others may take. That famous saying. But as for me, you know it. Give me liberty or resolve. When will we let God fill our heart with a resolve of what's right, what's kingdom, and not move? As the Revolutionary War one more began, a man by the name of John Parker called out the 70-odd-minute men as they formed a line on the Lexington soil, and I quote, Stand your ground. Don't fire unless fired upon. But if they want a war, let it begin here. I say to the powers of darkness in, in, on behalf of the bride of Christ in America, the fight has already begun and it started in the garden and will continue. But if you want to fight, you got one. For he who lives in us is bigger than he who lives in this world. We win in Jesus' name. We will win. Now, uh, when, I, when I look at David and... I try to make application to our whole situation now. I didn't know this. Pastor, you probably did. I, I, within the last month, I found this out. David had three anointings. First of all, he was anointed, he was anointed by Samuel. You know that one. Then he was anointed by Judah. Then he was anointed by Israel. He had three anointings. And this, some years ago, some over 2,000, the angels showed up to a little virgin and said, you're going to have a boy, and you should call his name Jesus. Nine months later, she had a son, and he walked the earth, and they called him the son of David. And then Paul comes along with the audacity to say, Christ in you, I could say it like this and do no damage to Scripture. I could say, the son of David living in you. The same David that took out the giant now lives in you, so what am I going to do? 
A year ago, the, the, the Lord gave me a prophetic word. I've preached it. I've, I mean, I've, I've never preached it. I've just said it publicly. And I said it last night to your pastor and his wife. The Lord said, I want you to go to the churches, and I want you to tell them four things. This is when all some of this began to just unravel. This is what the Lord said. Tell the church to wake up. Paul said it in Romans. You can find it in Rome. Awake thou that sleep. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. And I'm not talking, it may not even apply to you. But across the board, it applies. Church, wake up. And when you wake up, get up. I mean, you know, you can wake up and just lay there and go, I'm just kind of resting. And lay there and lay there. The Lord said, tell them to wake up. Tell them to get up. Come on now. And then tell them to speak up. At the next school meeting, speak up. Oh, I know they're going to call you terrorists, but who cares? Come on now. You have a resolve. You're not out for a popularity contest. You're out, a walk, you're out to walk with the king of kings and represent him and who he is on planet earth. Leave the rest of the Lord. Speak up. Come on out of the closet. Speak up and then sign up. Put your, put your name on the bottom line. You can count on me. Well, just recently I, I, I've jotted it down, but I, 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 I thought I heard the Lord say, first of all, know the Lord, grow in the Lord, and go for the Lord. But buildings are packed full of people who don't know the Lord, so you can't grow in the Lord if you don't know the Lord. And if you, know, if, you, if you know the Lord and you're growing in the Lord, you're going to go somewhere. How many of you know when fire hits you, something happens? I, I, I'm a farm boy. I grew up on the farm. My dad was a tenant farmer. And I used to watch his buddies. Most of them wore overalls, farmers, just local farmers. Most of them smoked. They rolled them. They couldn't afford ready rolls. We don't call it that anymore, but they did those days. And so, and, 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 and I, I watched them many times reach in their pocket and get them a big old, ki- what I call kitchen match. And, well, I'm just a little eight or ten year old boy. I, that was real impressive. Not the smoking. That was impressive. I, still, I got off by myself one day out in the yard. They got me one of them kitchen matches and I went like this. I had a problem with it. It struck before it's time. <laughs> I'm serious. And you know what happens when it strikes and you keep going with it. Well, the, the, another thing that caught my attention as a little boy was how they would take that kitchen match and just take their fingernail and pop it, you know. That I thought, well, that's neat. I tried it. <clears throat> it broke off under my thumbnail on fire are you talking about hurt now, now watch this how many of you know when fire hit this thumb I didn't analyze where it was going because fire is a strong motivator isn't that right I'm looking for a cool place and I don't care where it is I'm telling you when the fire of God hits every one of us the way God wants it to you don't have to nobody's going to have to tell you to go they're going to, have to tell you to slow down. 
because that's the next season we're going into. I end with this. I'm so I'm so honored over the years to have just been connected to this church family and and God put us here for a season and I thought probably it would be the rest of my life but God had other plans but so love this house and uh, speak fulfillment over the years ahead you're not backing up you're going forward God's just looking for somebody to get up God's looking for somebody to start speaking because you, you remember the story of, of uh, David I love it when he when he runs toward the giant, and he stops and he gets him a stone, puts it in that sling. You know, this is a flip. That's what I grew up with. We call them slingshots, but they weren't. They were flips because it flipped. A slingshot was a long piece of leather that you held here with a pouch on the end, and you put the stone in it or whatever, and and you went this way. And then the appropriate time. If you do what you're doing, you turn one of those loose and it shot that rock like a bullet to wherever you're trying to hit. That was David. Okay, stops, get, gets him one. Now watch what's about to happen. And he starts toward the giant like this. Now how many of you know that when you're doing that, you've created a sound? Womp, womp. You, you, you know? Wouldn't, wouldn't you love to hear in the body of Christ this when you love to hear that that means I got my rock got my slingshot I got my faith got my resolve and I'm about to take out a giant instead across the board we've just kept it kind of hid we don't want to offend anybody but we don't want to hurt anybody I want to hear that sound again in the body of Christ. I want to hear that the sound of faith. He already told John, I'm about to take you out. You know, one of the funny things of this whole story is when he hit the giant right here and down, he went, you know, and took his own sword and cut his head off, drug his head all over Jerusalem. You look at it. Hey, we're winning. What you got there, David? That's Goliath's head. <laughs> it's in the Bible. I mean, what is Jerusalem? What you got, David? I'm dragging it. <laughs> That's what you call a dead head, right? Anyway. So I end here, I promise. But my my challenge to you is thank God for our past and thank God for what he's doing, but Come on now. We need, there's a new season on us, and you can't live now like you were. We're going to have to shake off some things and look at where we're going and get after it. There's a young teenage boy, I think he was 15 years old, and uh, with no reflection on pastor here, his name was Stephen, by the way. He was about 15 years old, and he decided a couple of days he wouldn't go to school. Was mom and daddy didn't know that, and Stephen missed. And after the second day, the teacher called his parents and said, Stephen has not been to school in two days. There's something wrong. Well, they didn't know. Well, that day they confronted him. 
And it was one of them come-to-Jesus meetings. And they told Stephen, Stephen, you have sinned against God. You've done wrong. And we're going to punish you. It was, it, actually, it was the third day, I think, when they, when they uh, caught him. But he had missed the two days. And you're going to have to go to the attic, and you'll have to live the next three days in the attic. You'll get your food there. You'll sleep there. That'll be our punishment because of that, what you've done. So Stephen goes to the attic. He would have to eat his meals. He would have to sleep there. He would be isolated for the three days, for the three days of his sin. But Mom and Daddy, uh, the dinner meal came, and they sat down to dinner, but they weren't very hungry. All they could think about is Stephen up there in the attic, alone, hurting, probably afraid. So they didn't eat much for, for dinner that night, and finally bedtime came, and but the testimony of the father was at two in the morning, he had not slept at all. He couldn't. He couldn't sleep thinking about Stephen, and how was he? And they said at 2 o'clock in the morning, he said, that's enough. He crawled out of bed, went to the attic. He got in the attic, and there was his son crying. Father laid his head down on a tear-stained pillow with him. Son, I've come to bear this with you. If you can, if you can receive this, some 2,000 years ago, God crawled out of bed, crawled up in the attic, and laid down on my pillow and died on an old rugged cross. So he not only could redeem us, he could come and live in us. And that the next 40 years would be greater than the last 40. This is what the Bible says. Christ, the anointed one in you, is the hope of glory. The only hope this nation had sitting in this room. Not just here, but across the board. If the bride doesn't rise up, the nation's going down. We're going down now like this. But I'm telling you what I believe with all my heart. I think there's an awakening like right here this morning. As I said to Pastor last night I honestly believe this I think we're headed to the greatest move of God we've ever seen I think there's a possibility of a billion people coming into the kingdom now I think it will happen in the middle of hell breaking loose because I don't see that side getting any better when I read the book of Revelation and I see hell breaking loose and I I see this phrase and they repented not so that side is loved by God but they will refuse the gospel but this outbreak of awakening will bring in millions and perhaps even a billion souls I want to be part of that that's just what I believe But I don't believe it. I think we're going back to the book of Acts. 
God's taken us right back into Acts. See, in Acts, it wasn't, you know, when the Apostle Paul, for instance, when he came to town, he didn't look for the Holiday Inn, he looked for the jail. Come on now. I mean, this, you guys and this wonderful pastor you have and his wife, they got us in a nice hotel. Well, if you rewind, we'd have, Jen, just, we'd have go checked out the jail, see if they had beds. Because the kingdom of God was so strong and mighty and the fire of God was burning, you either get in or get out or fight against it. That's where we're headed. You say, are you upset? Do I look upset? I'm, I'm fired up about it. I'm grieved at uh, uh, seeing a nation do what it's doing. I'm grieved. It breaks my heart. But I want to tell you right now, I keep hearing, he keeps whispering to my heart, let not your heart be troubled. Son, don't let it be afraid. I've got this thing that I'm going to use my bride. I'm going to awaken my bride. And I believe according to Matthew, here I go, I got to quote Matthew 24. You read it, starts out, it gives five points in Matthew 24. Starts out with deception. The first thing will begin to happen is deception. We're living in it like never before. We're good, bad, bad, good, ups, down, we don't even know. And he goes through the points, and then the fourth one, he gets to the fourth one, and deception is now being released by the prophets people that call themselves people of God but are releasing a word that's deceptive I'm not trying to accuse anybody but watch this the fifth point and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come what does that mean somebody's going to do it and I think I'm looking at them So let me ask you this morning, would you say to God, God, I think I've cooled off a little bit. I'm, I'm not only waking up, I'm getting up. And I can tell you from today on, I'm speaking up. I won't be kind, I won't be unkind or unloving, but I will not be silent anymore. And I'm signing up. Count me in, Lord. I come to this church or whatever fellowship you may attend, count me in. I won't be like the, little, the, 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 the fellow that told his girlfriend how much he loved him. I'd swim the highest, I mean the widest river to climb the highest mountain. I love you more than words can say. I'll see you Saturday night if it don't rain. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about signing up. So let me ask you to do something for yourself. Make a choice. Make a choice. Here it is. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I don't know what that means, but I want you to know I'm getting up. I want to be counted in these years that we're going to war. I'm getting up. Not only am I getting up, I'm going to start speaking up. Not only am I speaking, I'm going to sign up. Today, Lord, you can count on me. Write my name down. If that's you, and if you don't come, nobody's going to say you. Why, they're not even saved. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about 
an awakening. Secrets for the new season. Would you meet me down here and let us pray together and seal this for the days ahead? If you would, before we begin worship, with everybody looking at you, would you come down here and stand with me and let's pray together? Just get up and come. I I just want to pray over you. Maybe you could worship for just a moment until we pray. That would be okay. are different days, y'all. Do I have to tell you that? Don't you know it's different? I can tell you June and I started pastoring in 67. It was it would seem so easy to get people saved, but it's, it got to where it was more difficult and more difficult because the atmosphere adjusted to the evil that was being propagated. I say unto you, by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, He will have the last word. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. We're going to win this thing. We're not going to lose this thing. I don't know what the battle looks like, but you're signing up this morning. It don't matter. Bless God, as the King says, you got to do this or else. It's like I said at Asbury Seminary on the front row when a missionary from from Africa with tears said the country persecution broke out and they went to a men's group to jail them put them in prison and they said whoever started this men's group step forward we'll let the rest of you go the man that started it she said step like this and when he did the other 11 stepped right up with him That's New Testament Christianity. That's the signing up. Count me in. These are my brothers and these are my sisters. I'm part of your life and you're part of mine. Lay your hand on somebody in front of you. Lord Jesus, I pray for the fire and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Living Waters Church this morning, Lord, that heaven will record what's happening in the altar today. Heaven in the name of Jesus record what's happening for the next 40 years. Let it be said, Lord, as it was with you, Jesus, when you came out of the wilderness after 40 days, Lord, let it be said, the Spirit of the Lord 
is upon me. Hallelujah. New anointing. I pray for new anointing, new fire, new vision, new direction. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, for Holy Ghost, heaven sent resolve. We signing up, Lord, and we're writing it in ink. We're not going to try to erase it. Lord, I put in my Bible, I would encourage you to write somewhere in your Bible, this day at Living Waters, I signed up. So you never forget it in the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine on you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you his peace. May your best days be ahead of you, not behind you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Can everybody say amen that would agree with that?